everyone. Welcome back to the CTYA podcast. We are so glad that you joined us here today. Sit back, relax, get out your favorite pencil, your favorite notebook. May you be blessed in the Lord. If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to go to Psalms chapter 55. Thank you, Brother Cole. Thank you, worship team. Wow. We're going to read one passage of Scripture. We'll go to verse 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. I said, what a powerful little verse. I'm going to read it one more time. I want to point out something. This is reflective of the original Hebrew. Just so you know, if you've got a good King James in front of you, cast thy, that's singular. This is an individual issue tonight. Uh, cast thy burden upon the Lord. You see, it's all caps, the God of covenant, the God that you're in a relationship, and he shall sustain thee. And again, uh, that's a personal relationship and a personal encounter with God. Uh, for each one of us, uh, that's available to each one of us tonight. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit on the subject out of our lessons that we've been looking at. I'm sure you've been looking at all summer. It's called Our Burden Bearer. Our Burden Bearer. How many of you need a burden bearer? Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for your worship. You can be seated. Now, I, I, I know what I've been, Amy and I have been gone for a little bit. We've been, uh, the Lord has privileged us to travel some places. And uh, I know I have been away for a while. So for all you new people, I get to meet you. It's going to be awesome. Uh, uh, they still let the old guy in the room every once in a while. <clears throat> so I appreciate that very much. Thank you, Brother and Sister Hussey. And so I, I do want to, I want to dive into the text a little bit. Because uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain a truth that comes out of this lesson tonight. Uh, and I think the truth can be summed up as the writer of whoever put the lesson together for uh, the headquarters material, that God will bear the burdens we surrender to Him. Now that's wonderful, and it's a thick little statement because it's two components. God is a burden bearer, but He will only bear the burdens that we surrender to Him. And so David is writing in a very complex time in his life, and we're going to see that, that the Lord will sustain him personally because he cast his cares on the Lord. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to lean in tonight. I'm going to go ahead and prep you that I'm going to lean in tonight. I'm going to deal with uh, the text uh, that we're addressing in the chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 15. We're going to go there, work through the text a little bit, and I want to show you how David in one of his... Um, the greatest crises of his life, had to learn to surrender to the Lord and cast his cares on him. Now that's captured in the Bible on purpose so that you know what to do when you hit a problem. <clears throat> How many of you believe the Bible is the Word of God? It's not David writing some little journal about his prayer. How many of you journal your prayers? Okay, I'm the only weirdo in the room. I got it. Hey, so, okay, thank you. We have two weirdos. That's right, thank you. <laughs> Oh, yes, thank you very much. All right, so it, what, what's nice about writing, and I don't journal every day, I don't journal hardly at all, but I do write when I feel like the Lord has uh, moved me, Brother Hussey, because uh, it's nice to go back and see all of the prayers that the, Lord's have, the Lord has answered. 
And that when I genuinely learn to, by faith, cast my cares on the Lord, and it is an act of faith not to take things into your own hands, not to become manipulative, and to allow the Lord to work out circumstances that you can do nothing about. And, and there's a wonderful promise that the Lord will bear those burdens that we surrender to Him in faith. So let me, I just want to share with you a little bit about our, our travels. We were in, at, doing Minnesota camp, got a wonderful uh, opportunity to do youth camp. I've uh, taught there many times, Brother Hussey, they let the old guy come do that too, which is awesome. Uh, so there was a, a young gal who walked up, called her a youth pastor, and we were talking. Uh, he's an IBC guy. Uh, went back home. He's helping his pastor, uh, probably end up pastoring here very shortly. His uh, pastor's getting older. Uh, the transition looks like it's going to uh, fall to him. And uh, we were talking, and we're having, we had great camp. Uh, Brother Stafford uh, did a wonderful job from headquarters, was there. And uh, he, he preached at night. I got to teach in the day. And uh, this uh, young lady called her uh, youth pastor and said, I want to start a P7. After Brother uh, Stafford got done that night, I feel like the Lord's been speaking to me all week. She said, I want to start a P7. What do I need to do? He said, you need to come see me. We want to get this thing going. He hung up. He said, Brother Kilman, uh, this young lady had tried to commit suicide a year ago. Uh, I don't know. I, you, I just, you have to understand that's a lot of change. And so you never know what the Lord is doing with our youth. You never know what God is doing in this room. And you just have to understand that there are some problems in society that are way bigger than us, that if we turn them over to the Lord and trust Him to do His work, in a little meeting like tonight, God can do powerful things by His Spirit. Baby doll, it's like the uh, young lady that walked up to us at the end. And it was, uh, I don't know her story other than what she told me. And she had been at camp all week and... Uh, no, I'm not being pejorative tonight, but she had pink hair or pink highlights in her hair. She walked up at the end of the camp. She had back on her street attire. She said she had been in church when she was about 12 years old, had been away from God for a long time. Looked like she was at the top end of uh, youth camp age, about 17. And she, uh, she had on very tight, uh, torn jeans from here all the way down, had multiple piercings, had her piercings back in. So you know, we're praying the Lord continues the work he did. But she walked up to me and she said, I, I just wanted to tell you, Brother Kilman, that you really helped me this week. And, and you can't do that on your own. You have to trust that the Lord is going to use your voice. And, and, and we can be intellectual. And we can take all the things that they need to hear. And I ran at them for four days. They gave me four days. I ran at them strong for four days. And I, uh, I probably shocked many of them and had a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, we dealt with the most complex issues in our society. And this young lady walks up to me and says, you help me. You help me with understanding. And she was kind of embarrassed because, Brother McGrath, I don't think she really wanted to walk up to me and see, see all of that stuff that she had on. But that's okay. I can love her right where she's at. And whatever the Lord is doing in her life, I'm just going to trust God to accomplish everything in her life that he started. And Brother Stafford one night was preaching. I promise I have a point with all these stories. Uh, Brother Stafford was preaching one night. He was preaching about the, one of the number one issues uh, 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 of your day. And then he went on to, I think, one of the uh, second in the top ten issues of your day. The number one issue is, do you have accountability on your technology? If you don't, you're failing. I'm going to say that to everyone in this room. If you don't have accountability on your technology, you're failing. Quit fooling around, leaving the door open for the enemy. So Brother Stafford uh, did a wonderful job talking about that. And uh, the youth camp there is from 12 to 17, or 18, I think. 
And so uh, it, was, uh, it was quite a gamut. He did it tactfully. He did it beautifully. And then he said, he started dealing with the issue of friendships. That uh, the second thing, that if you don't have boundaries in your life around your friends, if you hang out with idiots, you're going to be an idiot. So uh, get a better class of friends that encourage you instead of pulling you down. You can minister to people, but don't make them your confidence. The confidants. Don't make them your closest peer group. You can't do that. You can minister to the world, but you've got to be separate from the world. And the only way you can minister to the world is if you're separate from the world. All that was free. But this, uh, I, I, he was preaching a powerful message, Brother Hussey, and this young boy came down. He was uh, down praying in the altar. And again, Brother Christian Ramirez was uh, there listening, and he was praying, speaking in tongues. And uh, Christian walked up to him and said, uh, do you know what you were saying? He said, no, I, he said, I was speaking in tongues. He says, you were saying, come on in, you were saying, oh, oh, poderoso. And for you, those of you that know Spanish, forgive me for butchering that pronunciation. Oh, po, uh, poderoso. And, and, and he said, uh, he kept praying that over and over. In, and he said, do you know what you were saying? He said, no, I was speaking in tongues. He said, well, I know what you were saying. I speak Spanish. He said, well, I don't speak Spanish. He said, you were praying in the altar, O powerful one. Now, you have to couple that with what was going on in the altar. That Brother Stafford had just challenged them about technology and friendships and surrendering your life to God. And Paul says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. That literally means the Greek word to build yourself up in the spirit. And when you're praying in tongues, you're praying things according to Paul that you can't utter with your understanding. And God is literally, by the power of the spirit, speaking in prayer, oh powerful one, through that young man. Why? Because he's casting his cares on the Lord and the Lord is changing him literally in the altar. So uh, what we're going to talk about tonight is incredibly complex, and I know that you may be dealing with all sorts of situations, but I'm just going to tell you, if a girl can go from suicide to saying, I want to reach my world, if a, if a young teenage girl coming out of a complex background of abuse can say, I appreciate you preaching the truth to me, and this little boy can pray in tongues what he needs, God can help you do whatever you need to do to cast your cares on him tonight. All right, so let's, let's dive into the text a little bit. I, I've been traveling. Maybe I got to preach on me. I apologize. 2 Samuel chapter 15. Now, here's what I would love for you to do. I would love for you to get into the practice of carrying a physical Bible. And, and I'm going to mess with some of you because this is like taboo for you. But I, I would love for you to start highlighting and writing in the, in the margins of your Bible. And it's like, <gasps> sacrilege. No. It's not sacrilege. It's a way to go back and see that the uh, things that the Lord uh, struck to you uh, uh, while the Lord was speaking to you. So I would love for you to do that. So let's, let's go to the text, 2 Samuel chapter 15. Baby, watch time for me. I, I, was, I'm, I have a little bit of a cold, but evidently my help's come because I'm feeling really comfortable now. That's not good for you. Pray against that. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 30 and 31, And David went up by ascent to the Mount of Olivet, and, and wept as he went up and had his head covered and he went barefoot. And all the people uh, that was with him covered every man his head and they went up weeping as they went up. Now the context of this passage, and, and some people would say this is uh, connected to Psalm 55. I, I believe it is. I think the psalm is uh, not just about the rebellion of Absalom. I think it's about the betrayal of a close friend, Ahithophel. We're going to talk about both of those tonight. So uh, Absalom, his son, is trying to take over the kingdom. 
and he's rebelled against his dad through flattery, uh, through manipulation. He has met the people. He's won their hearts over. And I wish I could tell you that if you just do the right thing, you're going to prosper all the time. You live in a broken world. And you can be ethical and true and serve God and have a rebellion on your hands. You can be serving the Lord, being faithful, and land right in the middle of controversy. You just need to go ahead and get comfortable with that. You're living in a fallen world, and God's will is going to be done, but sometimes that includes a cross. All right, so just go ahead and get comfortable with life. All right, the reality of the broken world. And, and, and then it says in verse 4, 31, And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, now notice this prayer, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Now, this is an incredible moment uh, because David has been hurt by someone he tried to forgive and bring back close into him, one of his own family. Okay, and we're going to learn what uh, Absalom's issue was. Uh, I, I love the little phrase out of the lesson uh, uh, series that we're looking at that says, contemplate this adage. What does it mean to face your fears with faith? That's what you have to do when you reach a situation like this. Uh, you've got to ask questions like, how can we practically cast our burdens on the Lord? Because the Bible's not there just to be something for you to study and think about. It's there for you to use so that you can uh, succeed in life. So you have to say, what does it mean practically for me to cast my burdens on the Lord? And how do I do that personally? It means I go to the Lord like the little boy at the altar and say, this is way too big for me and you don't even know what you're praying in the Spirit. And the Lord can help you deal with the most complex issues of life. And so you got to contemplate, you got to think about, you got to consider the effect of your daily time of prayer and reflecting on the uh, Word of God uh, and what it means in your relationship with the Lord. And if, if you haven't nailed that down yet, and I know I've sit on these uh, pews and we amen a lot of stuff we don't practice. So if you don't have a daily reflection time where you can say, I need daily bread today. I, I know that I'm going to work. I know that I'm going to school. And I got stuff that's just too big for me. Okay, I'm going to go a little off the script. I, I, I got to hang out with Christian. Christian's an interesting dude, man. His, his uh, dad and his uh, uncles are all uh, connected to, uh, you can tell me the phrase again, Brother Justin, and I still won't be able to pronounce it. Uh, it's uh, some type of... Uh, shamanism, which is witchcraft attached to uh, some type of muerte, the, the something of the dead. I, I appreciate you knowing the phrase. I still can't say it. It's terrible. But his, his dad was involved in shamanism in Mexico. His mother, of course, left, and, and it was a complicated situation. He got in church at, at, as a 15-year-old young boy. And uh, Brother Hussey, he, he began to pray, and it was just simple. He didn't know much to pray, pray for the Lord to protect him. Uh, uh, protect my uh, house or protect the room that I'm in. And he paid, prayed specific things. He said one day he walked out and there was a, and I'm not trying to scare anybody. How many of you are glad that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? And so give no place to the devil. Don't do that in your imaginations uh, because if you think the devil's more powerful than you, he can start to mess with you in ways that are not right. It's kind of like my good friend, uh, Nate Warrior, who's six foot eight, allowing... Um, you know, who's the shortest, I shouldn't say this, who's the shortest guy in the room? 
Not you. No, it's not true, Brother Johnson. Okay, so let's just say my other good friend in California, Brother Eli Lopez, who's the president of uh, CLC, Christian Life College, great, uh, great friend. He, he's, uh, he's shorter. He's Hispanic. He's about four foot. He's about five, five, two, not four foot. That was me and, yeah, okay. Five, two. He's about five, two, five, six, somewhere in there. We'll just, I'm just being gracious for the recording. Somewhere between five, two, Brother Lopez, and five, you know, 12. Uh, and so, <clears throat> if Brother Lopez decided to pick on my pastor friend, Nate, who's six foot eight, he could do that, but only as much as Nate allowed, only as much as he gave place in his imagination. That's why you got to cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I, I was just here to go down that road too much. Evidently, I haven't been in this room long enough, but it's, okay, can I spend a little influence there? It's like watching dumb movies, like horror films. And then people wonder why they have problems with spirits. You gave your imaginations to that. And you've opened up the door by allowing that thing to be in your mind. So don't, don't watch trash. You know, and, and then you don't give place to the devil. And then, uh, you know, he's not more powerful than God. You have the one God. James 2 says the devils believe in one God and tremble. You got the one God. Let the devil come around and tremble if he wants to do that. But you just make sure you stay on the side of the one God. And so uh, a Christian said that there was this, uh, like this uh, thing he saw in the, in the hallway as he went out, and it was leaned up against the wall, and he, he was talking to his father. He said, because he's just a young Christian boy at 15. He doesn't know much. He said, I walked out into the hall, and um, he said, I, I, I saw this thing do this. And he said, yeah. He said, then he put his hand on the wall, and then he did this, this, and this. He said, Yes, how did you know that? He said, because I paid the local shaman here to help me do a spirit walk because I wanted to see my family. And so what he began to say later, Brother Hussey, he, he said, um, I, I, couldn't, I could never uh, get inside your room, Christian. I could never get inside your room. And I could never see you. I could see everybody else in the home. He said, sometimes I couldn't even get in the home. And he said, I realized later uh, that it was the boundaries of your prayer that stopped me whether or not I could get into, your, into the house and not in your room or into your house. He said, because you set the boundaries with your prayer. If you said, God, protect my house tonight. Guess what God did? God protected his house that night. You know what you need to do? You need to ask the Lord for some things. You need to say, God, I need your protection over my home. God, I need you to, you need to cast your cares on the Lord. Why? Because it matters. And, you, and, you, and, many, and if you don't know me, come talk to me later. I'm not like, I'm not weird. I don't see devils hanging off fence posts. But I believe in the spirit world. And so does it strengthen and prepare you uh, to have prayer for your daily activities? Of course it does. Okay, uh, and, and again, uh, uh, we'll, we'll stop right there. So let's, let, let me dance around in the text a little bit. If you look at 1 Chronicles chapter 27, verse 33... And hold your, hold your finger because we're going to go right back to 2 Samuel. The Bible says, And Ahithophel was the king's counselor. And Hushai, the archetype, was the king's companion. Now what you have to understand about this betrayal of da in David's life is Ahithophel was an uh, incredible counselor. So if you look at 2 Samuel chapter 16, uh, we'll just kind of go through the text a little bit. The Bible says, And Absalom and all the people of the men of Israel came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel uh, with him. 
And it came to pass when Hushai the archite, David's friend, was coming to Absalom, that Hushai said unto Absalom, God save the king. Which is interesting because uh, Hushai is not in rebellion with Absalom. And he's saying, God save the king. And because Absalom's ego is so big, he thinks he's speaking of him. And what Hushai's actually talking about is David. Because pride always allows you to be manipulated. Be careful on college campuses when they start to praise you for your intellect. And you can be manipulated right into hearing whatever you... Okay, we'll talk about it in a moment. And, and the Bible says, uh, God, he says, God save the king. God save the king. Absalom said to Hushai, is this thy kindness to thy friend? Why wentest thou not with thy friend? Because he's testing him. I don't know. You were my dad's friend. And he says, Hushai said to Absalom, Nay, but of whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his will I be, and him and with him I'll abide. Now again, he's saying something that's true. Absalom's just hearing it in the way he wants to hear it because the first thing pride does is blind you. You can't hear or see the truth anymore because of blindness of heart. And again, he says, whom shall I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? And he's going to serve God in the presence of his son. As I have served in thy father's presence, so will I serve in thy presence. I'm going to continue being the man of God, even though you're going to hear this whole conversation wrong. Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, give counsel among you what we shall do. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, go in unto thy father's concubines, and this is, of course, Ahithophel, the other uh, counselor. He says, Which he left to keep thine house, and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. Now let me help you with the context a little bit. Absalom is mad at his dad because uh, his sister was raped by his half-brother. Because David committed sin by multiplying the wives, which the law told him not to do. Right? He got his whole family in it. How many have ever seen people make bad decisions? God saves them, brings them back to the church. Thanksgiving's still complicated. Okay, so God doesn't do away with every action that you've ever done. He just restores you to the body and can work in the midst of the chaos that we've created for him. And so, uh, of course, uh, he rapes Tamar. And then David doesn't deal with it. So what happens? Absalom takes it into his own hands. He kills him. And then he goes two years without seeing his father's face. And then his father brings him back in. Now what's fascinating to me is that the Bible says in verse 22 and 23, So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of his house. And Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. So not only is he saying, I'm more righteous than my father in terms of being a ruler, Brother McGrath, because my dad didn't deal with rape. Now I'm going to go in and rape all of his concubines. He's going to be multiplied times more of a sinner than the sin that he had an issue with that his dad didn't deal with. And so the Bible says, in the counsel of Ahithophel, which... Uh, which he counseled in the, those days, now look at what the scripture says, was as if a man inquired at the oracle of God. Now, I don't know if you underline, but I underline that in my Bible. It's not that it was, it was as if. The wisdom that he gave was so strong that it was like you heard from an oracle of God. 
So how does such a godly man with this incredible, tremendous reputation join with a vain and rebellious leader against God's anointed? Now the only way you can figure this out is to be a student of the Word of God. If you go to 2 Samuel chapter 23 and 34, it's in those uh, really tiresome things. How many have ever tried to do, uh, what is it called, where you read through the Bible in a year? Bread, bread program. How many have done the bread program? And you hit like numbers and the genealogy and you're like, Jesus, come quickly. I'm ready for the rapture right now. <laughs> now what's fascinating is the only way to get it, why in the world this godly man, Ahithophel, gets into this is to look in those genealogies. So if you look at 2 Samuel 23, 34, it says, Eliphalet, the son of uh, Ahashbi, the son of uh, Machathite. So there's some great names for your kids if you want some. And then it says, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, uh, the Gileonite. And then you compare that with 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 3. And I'll let you search this out on your own time. It says, And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba? Who's Bathsheba? It's, it's the young gal, Uriah's wife, that David committed adultery with when he should have been out fighting the war like a king. Okay, so he failed here. And what does the Bible said? It's the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So Ahithophel's son is Eliam. So imagine if you're Ahithophel, you, you rejoice at the birth of this young girl, my granddaughter. She has a great future. She's married to a good man, Uriah, a man of character, one of David's mighty men of valor. And then David in his own sin goes into her and, they, and, and his men tried to take it, talk to him. Don't do this. This is, your, this is one of your best friends, um, granddaughters. This is your, one of your mighty men of valor's wife. David, what are you thinking? Overcome by his own lust because he opened himself up to, with his flesh. Um, uh, he uh, slept with her and then arranged the murder of Uriah the Hittite, his grandson-in-law. And so now you, you can see what in the world is going on in Ahithophel. How can he turn against David? Because he's united in bitterness with Absalom. And there's a principle here that I don't know if you take notes, at least take notes mentally. That bitterness is a powerful uniting force in life and ministries. It's always dangerous and it's always destructive. So if you skip back to 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 24, Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, Give counsel among, what you, what, uh, uh, give counsel among you what uh, we shall do. And he said, okay, uh, I get it. Now, if you, uh, I think it's fascinating to me that Absalom is only good at rebellions. He doesn't know how to run the kingdom. I'm trying not to say too much. But you're young adults, so somebody ought to run at you at some point. Be careful when people start trashing leadership. They're mostly only good at rebellions. They couldn't get the job even if you, get it, got, if you got it for them. And that's what they're mostly interested in, you getting it for them. So don't, don't even entertain that against godly leadership. Right? So uh, he has no character, no wisdom, or gifting that would lead him to be effective as a king. He can only run a manipulation campaign. 
The Bible says in verse 24, and Ahithophel said to Absalom, we talked about that, go in, their arms will be strong, and, and he did it in the sight of all of Israel. And the character of Absalom and Ahithophel is shown, why? Now, I'm going to be really strong tonight, because they didn't take their pain and their problems and cast them on the Lord and leave them there for the Lord to deal with. Instead, they harbored it in their own heart. They did not take their cares to the Lord, and bitterness crept into their heart, and it destroyed their life and ministries. So, uh, yeah, the danger of bitterness. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. I highlight that in my, highlighted that in my Bible. Avenge not yourselves. I want to be careful how I say this. As a young man, I was a, uh, a young preacher, and I, I just had a tremendous pastor. Uh, she was a, a tremendous woman of God. Uh, she taught us character, Brother Hussey. And uh, I, I remember I was preaching at a particular place, and someone said when a friend of mine, we were preaching a revival, uh, Brother Kilman is so close to this person, it would make you wonder. So he was accusing me, and this person was accusing me and a friend of possibly being homosexual. And so uh, that, it kind of slipped out in a conversation with uh, his brother and sister-in-law. And uh, I, I said, look, we got to go deal with this. Just a rumor can destroy our ministry, our reputation. we got to go to your pastor and deal with it. we we got to confront this head on uh, because, you know, it can destroy our reputation. And he said, Bobby, I've dealt with it. you just got to trust me. I've dealt with it. I've dealt with it. I said, okay, Adam, I love you, my friend. But I, I guess I'm going to have to leave it alone with you. And come to find out later, and I mean this with as much grace, I don't bear any uh, bitterness towards that man at all. I pray for him. Uh, it turns out it was the pastor. And, and thank God, how many of you glad you got, we got good leadership here? Love Brother Carson, love Brother Lopez. The team here is phenomenal. Uh, we have a history of wonderful things here at Calvary Tabernacle. So I have no ax to grind tonight. I just want you to be aware uh, that if you don't avenge yourself, I remember taking that to the Lord and saying, God, I was, I was preaching revival for that church, and I could not break through. Uh, it was old revival. We went Monday to Sunday. So I was preaching seven days. We didn't take a day of rest. Hallelujah. And so, uh, Brother McGrath, we were preaching. And so I remember uh, it, we had one good night where I felt like something was going to crest, and it didn't break. And I, I told my friend who, how many of you got a friend that they could talk to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, cut their head off, it's probably going to talk for a couple days anyway. <laughs> Just out of reflex. And I love him. He's a great friend. But I'm like, okay, bro, because there's some, there's some prayer meetings you don't want anyone else around you. And it's like, I, I remember I said, take, you're going to have to take me by the church and drop me off. He did. And I, I went in. I began to pray. I said, Lord, there's something. You've got to help me. I, I want revival for this church. This church desperately needs revival. You, you have to show me, do I have some secret sin in my life? If there's something you need to deal with me, if I'm in the way of revival for this church, you have to help me. I'm ready to deal with whatever it is. They need revival. And the Lord came by and lifted the burden of revival off of me because the church was not interested in revival. And so, uh, Brother Benson, I, I had to wrestle with that as a young man, but the Lord helped me because I began to pray, Lord, whoever this person is, Bless them. Help them to see they're probably the one. I didn't know it was the leadership. They're probably the one that is standing in the way of you uh, bringing revival to that church. And so I remember praying that and praying that and praying that. And the Lord gave me that attitude of prayer. He changed my heart by praying that prayer. 
He put me through the process. It's like getting your shiny new pencil and putting it in the pencil sharpener, right? It, that prayer, having to pray that prayer, having to deal with my flesh, to pray that prayer, to cast my cares on the Lord, was like grinding off all of those edges off of me until uh, ultimately the Lord formed in me a compassion for whoever that person was, and then the Lord let me find out who it was. And so I began to pray for that wonderful Wonderful, and hear me say that. Wonderful man of God. And they went on to have revival. But you ready? Uh, you, if you don't let the Lord avenge you, you can destroy things. He says, but rather give place under wrath. All right, that doesn't mean give your wrath place. It means give, yield. Don't, don't uh, give place under wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, saith the Lord. Now I don't have time to tell the whole story, but God vindicated me in the eyes of that wonderful man of God. They had a, a conference uh, where all the churches in that area went to. He said, Brother Kilman, if you're in this area, uh, I would love for you to come back and, and preach the night services. And I appreciated that. God, God will vindicate you. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may be 5, 10, 20 years or an eternity later. Don't take it in your own hands. Bring all of your issues with the Lord. Don't harbor bitterness. Bitterness is like drinking poison. It only poisons you. And you just got to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to take all of my issues and I'm going to pour them out to you. And, I, and you're going to be wrong. We're in a human church. You're going to be wrong. And you just have to say at the end of the day, I, 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 I know that I, I, I've, maybe you've even done wrong like David. But there's no Psalm 51 or Psalm 32. No, no, no Psalm of repentance that flows out of Ahithophel. And, and he ends up destroying himself and he throws it all away. This counselor, this tremendous reputation of influence uh, among God's people. He throws it all away in a moment. Why? To express his bitterness. Now, I know, it's like, Brother Kilman, you said cast your cares on the Lord. I thought this was going to be a nice one. So did I. Jesus had different plans. Because casting our burdens on the Lord isn't always like, God, I'd really like a raise. Help me with my paper cut. It can be help me with the real wrongs that have been done in my life. Can I be really pointed tonight? Even sometimes by your people. And if you don't get that on the altar before the Lord, it's going to fester inside of you. But if you cast your cares on the Lord, He will bear that burden for you. And it will take the weight of even the performance of other people off your life. And that will set you free. Let me see if I can wrap up tonight. What's fascinating to me is Absalom is going to be dead at the end of this passage, Ahithophel will commit suicide and 20,000 young men are going to die because of his counsel. That's why Hebrews 12, 15 says, Look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. How can we fail of the grace of God? Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So, uh, we got, how, many, how long have I been going, baby? 25 minutes, okay. You guys got about 10 minutes? Okay, let me see if I can wrap this up. Here's a, a Hithothel's advice. Attack him right now. You got momentum. You know, David and his men have run. They don't have their army collected together, Brother Cole. He was right. He was exactly right. 
He says, you give me 12,000 men and I'll kill him. Now, that's some, some type of backhanded praise. He's saying, I need 20 times the men that David has. So it's some kind of backhanded praise. And he says, I don't want power. I don't want position. I don't want authority. I just want David dead. And Absalom is being dragged into somebody else's personal bitterness. Be careful. And so uh, 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 then he turned, they turned to Hushai. And Hushai appeals to Absalom's pride. You know, your, your dad's fired up right now and you don't want to meet him like a bear robbed of his cur, cu, her cubs. And, and, and long live the king, not you, David. But, you know, what you need to do is go gather all the men of Israel from Dan to Beersheba. How many of you your mom ever said that? My Lord, you've been all over from Dan to Beersheba. Nobody else like mom used the Bible on you? Yeah. Where you been? Dan to Beersheba, Mom, I guess. <laughs> or all over God's green acres, Brother Vincent. And so she said, he says, you, this is what you should do. I understand. I hit the bell. What you need to do is get all of Israel together. And then you get on that big horse and, and you lead out yourself and you win the victory. Don't let him win the victory. You be the king. And he's appealing to his pride. So 2 Samuel 14, 25 says, But in all Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. He's a good-looking dude. He's not smart. Doesn't know how to run a kingdom. He's got so much pride that he's, he's, he's an easy prey to weakness. He says, And from the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. I remember, I think it was, uh, it may have been Brother Thomas, but I believe it was Brother Matthews. They were having children's church, and I, I pestered my son all the time, and I, I said, what did you learn in Sunday school today? And what did you learn in children's church today? And whoever it was taught an incredible lesson. He said, we learned about Samson. I'm like, okay, dude, how long have we been doing this? You know that ain't enough. Come on, what about Samson? Because I wanted to teach him as a young boy to start paying attention to the Word of God, to try to mine out of the Word of God what you won't get from uh, any other place. And he says, well, he was strong on the outside, but he was not very strong on the inside. And I thought, ooh, that's a good day to be at church. Yeah, my son was ministered to. And, and if you wanted to say something similar about Absalom, is he looked good on the outside, but he was pitifully weak on the inside. And it doesn't matter if he can get the praise of his peers. It doesn't matter if he can fool a, a, a few people into some type of rebellion. He's still pitifully weak. Why? Because the manipulation of ego becomes so easy and he can't even see it. I'm just going to say something to you young men in the room. Men of low character make weak men which make manipulated men. And so Hushai, who kept his integrity gives Absalom this advice who's blinded by his own ego and we see God's providence at work. And the Bible says in uh, 2 Samuel 17, 14, and Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai the archetype is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. It was not better. But David prayed a prayer that changed the human dynamic so that the blindness of heart and the position of one key man fell into place and the kingdom was preserved. Brother Cole, if you'll come up and play, it'll put pressure on me to stop. And look at what the Bible says. For the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel. 
to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. What are you saying tonight, Brother Kilman? Feel staying with me? The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I'm going to read Psalm 55, 22 again, that great psalm written by David in this difficulty of his life is what I believe. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. I'm not talking to your neighbor tonight. I'm talking to you. You bow your heads with me. The Apostle John writes this by the Spirit of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will. And if tonight you're saying, God, I'm just trying to serve you. And I got these people and these issues and this struggle with my health. And I got financial difficulties, Lord. I'm going to encourage you tonight to cast your cares on the Lord. And literally as you pray right now, God can work on what you cannot touch. Sometimes He's going to say, son, daughter, I'm going to put you on a road. At the, at the end of this road, if you'll just let me bear this burden that you're not supposed to carry, it's going to come out okay, but let me get you through the process by just saying, Lord, if somebody's going to be up tonight, it's not going to be me. You never sleep anyway, so I might as well leave this to you because I can't do a thing about it. And God's saying, I'm glad that you finally surrendered it to me. Because if you will surrender it to Him by faith, He'll carry your burdens tonight. Like that little boy at camp that's down praying with his weakness, bringing it to the Lord, praying in the Spirit, O oh, powerful one. I'm weak, but you're strong, O oh, powerful one. I can't deal with this circumstance, but you can, Lord. I want to encourage you. Come on, just, just in your own way. It doesn't have to be loud. It can be loud, whatever you want. But just in your own way, say, God, you see the issue. You see my health. You see our future. You see this issue facing my family. You see this complicated situation. Maybe I've even contributed it to it, Lord. And like David, who never multiplied wives again, who never, who never committed adultery again, maybe you've genuinely repented and some people haven't forgiven you, but that's okay. The Lord knows where you're at. And He knows how to vindicate you. So that's it. Just slip a hand up and begin to ask the Lord, God, I need you to carry this. I need you to carry this for me. Come on, He loves you. He loves you. He wants you. He invites you to cast your cares. If He's a burden bearer tonight, then you just need to say by faith, I surrender this issue to you. I can't worry about it anymore. I can be concerned about what I want to do and what my responsibilities are. That's, that's good, but worry is a lack of faith. Help me to trust you better with my life, Lord. That I can get where you want me to be. Come on, that's it. If it's appropriate, reach over to your neighbor. Lay a hand on their shoulder.